0: So we turn to Revelation chapter 2, Revelation chapter 2, still many Christians out there which won't read the book of Revelation because they don't understand it, but it is a revelation and it can be understood. Uh, It's such a powerful book to read and we're going to read about Smyrna today. So it's chapter 2, and we're reading from verse 8. The address to this church is the shortest, the least number of verses. It has no word of warning to them. Or that they're doing anything wrong. And there's no call for repentance with the church of Smyrna. And I think all that is significant because it is a persecuted church. So verse 8. Unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. That's our Lord Jesus Christ. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation. Ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear to hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches, he that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Now, Smyrna, the word Smyrna is linked to the word myrrh. And myrrh is a substance having a very bitter taste. And generally myrrh in the Bible speaks of the suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the title Smyrna is significant as well because they were sharing the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ by being persecuted for his namesake. So there's a lot to say there, isn't there? They they were suffering for his namesake. So it was a persecuted church. As usual, from his glory in Revelation chapter 1, the Lord Jesus takes a specific aspect of his character and his glory and applies it to each assembly. And the character which he takes for Smyrna is this. Thus saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. The first and the last. Alpha and Omega. This is the Lord Jesus Christ, his absolute deity. And it's interesting to realize we find this character, the first and the last, in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah. Very interesting. Isaiah 41 verse 4 says, Who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? Obviously you've got to see it in the context in your own time. I, the Lord, the first and with the last, I am he. That means he is the one who existing before history began the ever-present, unchanging God, I am he. And then there's a reference in Isaiah 44, in verse 6, which says, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. And then Isaiah 48, verse 12. Hearken unto me, O Jacob, and Israel my called. I am he, I am the first, I also am the last. Mine hand also hath laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand hath spanned the heavens. When I call unto them, they stand up all together. It's all about the eternal one, which is our Lord Jesus Christ, the first and the last, absolute deity, the son of God, the ever living one in and beyond all time and space. That's what it means. And it's wonderful that this character is applied to this persecuted church. If the Lord is all this, What confidence have we got in our Lord Jesus Christ? We have an abundance of confidence, haven't we? He is the first and the last. He was dead and he is alive. Now he says to Smyrna, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. So Smyrna was under great tribulation and poverty. And that word poverty there means exactly the same as what it speaks of our Lord Jesus Christ, who though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that we through his poverty might be rich. So they were destitute and suffering persecution. For his name. Now we need to ask the question why persecution has come to Smyrna. Why do you think the Lord has now allowed Satan? And we read about Satan in quite a few verses of these churches, and he's the enemy of the church, the adversary of all Christians. And it's important that we realise that in the scripture as well. That he's our adversary. And he's allowing Satan to persecute his church. Why? That's the question here. You might be answering something in your mind as to the why. And it's related to the decline of the church in Ephesus, was they left their first love. That's the beginning of decline, yes? The persecution has come to stop that decline and to recover the church to himself. That's why the Lord is doing this. It's necessary to bring in this persecution to recover the church to himself. So there is a need be, isn't there? There is a need be for this to happen. In 1 Peter, Peter says, you know, for a season, he says, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations or trials. But the trying of your faith being much more precious than of gold which perisheth, might be found unto praise and glory and honour. So he says there's a need be. <clears throat> there's a need be for trials. And remember, we can look at Revelation as individually, but also corporately. It's talking about the assembly as a whole, but you can read into it individually as well, what the Lord is saying to us. So often there is a need be why we go through trials. And there's a certain need for this church to go through persecution to bring them back to the Lord. And that's very significant, isn't it? So if we ask ourselves the question why do trials come? What is the purpose of the trials that come? And there is many purposes. One we've just said, the recovery of the church to the Lord. Another one, it roots out those who are not genuine, who are false, and the genuine will remain. Which is a good thing, isn't it? It reminds us all as Christians that we are heavenly, not earthly. Persecutions does that, doesn't it? Because those Christians who are being persecuted, they lose everything. They lose home, they lose family, they're put in prison. They lose an awful lot, and it teaches them, "Ah, yes, we're not of the earth, we're heavenly." with strangers and pilgrims here we're just passing through. So it reminds them of that. Another thing it does is makes you draw near to the Lord. Because you need that. You know. Why everything's going good for us and we're at rest and prosperous, you know, no persecution happening to us and no trials happening to us, we can become, you know, very blasé and rest in that and really sometimes the Lord needs to disturb that rest because it may affect vitally spiritual life so that's the whole purpose of that it will also give spiritual enrichment the Lord says of these you are rich you are rich you're in poverty but you are rich it's spiritual enrichment enrichment Going to improve their spiritual state by being spiritually enriched. And we could all do with that individually, couldn't we? To examine ourselves and our spiritual state before the Lord. And we might need that enrichment. And we might need stirring up a little bit to get us to that point. It takes away our self confidence. We get too, too self-confident, don't we? We don't need to be that. We need to be dependent upon the Lord. Once we lose that dependence upon the Lord, we're in trouble. So the Lord sometimes brings trials to make us dependent upon himself, seek his face and draw near to him. All those things are good spiritually. And in the context of Smyrna, they certainly needed it. And it would do its job. Individuals we see in scripture which were tested. We've got Peter. Remember the Lord said to Peter, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. So Peter was sifted. And he was too self-confident, wasn't he, Peter? And he actually ended up by denying the Lord three times. Not just denying him, but with oaths and curses. And that broke him, didn't it? He needed that. But he was restored to the Lord. When thou art converted, when thou art turned around strengthen the brethren which is what peter did so the testing turned out for good for him paul because of the abundance of revelation that paul had yeah, the things he heard in the glory he needed a thorn in the flesh a messenger of satan to buffet him that thorn in the flesh Kept him humble. So he didn't get above himself, yes? Kept him from pride. And he kept him dependent upon the Lord. And then the other classic example is Job, isn't it? The great testings the Lord put through Job. To lose all his family, all his wealth. Uh, Even his wife turned against him. And he lost a great deal. But he came forth as gold. After being tried in the fire. Great testings that Job had. In the context of the Romans who were persecuted by Nero, there's a verse in Romans sixteen twenty which says, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Yeah, so there's the word Satan's mentioned again, the great adversary of the church. He's behind all these things. And that's an encouragement to the Romans. So, all these things, there was a need be, and there's a need that this church had to be persecuted. And then he says these things I know the blasphemy of them that say they are Jews and are not, but of the synagogue of Satan. There was something that happened in the early church which had, would have consequences. Catastrophic consequences if they'd gone ahead. Right? And it all talks about it in Acts chapter 13, is it? Or 12, 15, Acts chapter 15, um, where there was, it's called the Council of Jerusalem. Because what was happening, because originally it was Jews who were saved and part of the, the one body of Christ, but then the Gentiles started flooding in, more and more and more Gentiles, and obviously the Gentiles were getting to outnumber the Jews, and then there were those Jews who were saying, now look, they, they need to get circumcised and they need to keep the law of Moses. Yeah. Why the apostles were still in place, that was prevented because the apostles stopped that happening. It would have been absolutely horrendous, wouldn't it, if that had happened. So we're not under law, we're under grace, and we don't need to be circumcised as Gentiles. And the Gentiles were coming in. So they had this great debate and council in Jerusalem with the elders, elders and James and Paul and others. And they debated it. yes? And the outcome was good, because the outcome was, right, we'll, we'll leave them alone don't put them, and Peter said, don't put them under the bondage of the law which we couldn't cope with anyway. Yes. And so that was diverted. It, was, it didn't happen, thankfully. But it continued. There were certain Judaizers who were systematically wanting to Judaize the church And cause trouble. And they were called the synagogue of Satan. So they were driven by Satan. He's the enemy. And the Lord calls them these here, they're not really Jews, they're the synagogue of Satan. So that's what that means. And then he says to them, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee the crown of life. Now notice it says, some of you will be cast into prison. Okay? Not all of them. Some will be cast into prison. And it says 10 days. Now that 10 days doesn't mean after 10 days there was no more persecution. Yes, it's, It speaks of a time period that there's going to be persecution and some of them would be put in prison. It's not exactly 10 days. What it means is all tribulation and trials is measured by God. That includes individually as well. If we're going through a trial individually, it is measured by God. Yes? It'll start and at some point it will come to an end. As the Lord decides. For our blessing. So there's going to be persecuted. It will start. At some point it will come to an end. It's interesting about the, the 10 days. Uh, I've got, it's written down because I'd never remember it but Pollock in his, his book he mentions ten Roman leaders who persecuted the church ten of them one was Nero and we all know about Nero as he persecuted Christians fiercely burnt them on torches and things like that and threw them to the lions AD 54, Nero then I might get some of these pronunciations wrong, but you'll have to excuse me because they're really hard and you might laugh. Domitian, AD 81, there's another one. Trojan, AD 98. Adrian, AD 117. Septimus, AD 193. Maximum, AD 235. Ducalus, 249. Valerian, 254 AD, Aululian, 270, and Diocletian, 284. The interesting thing about that, it's very interesting, isn't it? uh, I'm not saying that that's 10 days, but it's interesting it's 10 Roman emperors that are doing the persecution. The last one, Diocletian, he had a 10-year reign, and he was really savage in his persecution of Christians, and it's interesting. It was a ten-year reign that he had, so I think that's significant, isn't it? Uh, so he was a real nasty one at the end. there. And then it all ended with Constantine. Yes, and Constantine uh, became a Christian towards the end of his life. He became a Christian, so it says. Yeah, and he stopped all the persecution of Christians, and the Christians had wonderful peace and rest, but unfortunately it didn't do the church any favour because it brought in church mixed with the state. Right. You had state church, which it's not. We are separate from the state. Two don't go together. But that's what Constantine brought in. So that wasn't very good. <laughs> But it's interesting, all those facts are there about the 10 days. But it's measured. They have 10 days of persecution which is measured. And you shall have tribulation 10 days, but be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Be thou faithful unto death. Imagine the Lord saying that to us, yes? You're going to be persecuted. It may end in your death. I want you to be faithful unto death. And we, we, if you've ever read, I don't know whether you've read it, but Fox's Book of Martyrs, have you ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs? It's, it's worthwhile reading, but it's a whole book from one page, every page you turn, is persecuted Christians and how they were persecuted and the outcome of their persecution. So it's a heavy read, but it's a good read, uh, and we know very little of that, don't we, in this country, of this type of persecution that Christians go through. We have peace and prosperity, but we can give thanks for that, can't we? We don't want to wish it upon us, but <laughs> if the Lord brings it upon us, there's a reason for it. So, if you get chance, read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Be thou faithful unto death. The crown of life crown of life is life, joy, reward and glory. That's what they get. The martyrs are the seed of the church, aren't they? You won't get hangers on or people joining the church when it's getting persecuted if they're not genuine Christians. Yes? They'll be off like a shot. We're not having this. <laughs> but there be there others who will be faithful unto death and suffer martyrdom for the Lord Jesus Christ. They will have a very high place in glory of reward and joy. And the Lord says, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Don't dread, that's what it means. Don't dread what you shall suffer. Now that's a challenging little line to me, you know. Don't fear. If I had the thought I'm going to get persecuted and tortured and put in prison, would you not be afraid? (laughs) You would be afraid, wouldn't you? Uh, But the Lord said, dismiss your fear. And that tells me that the Lord gives grace at the time you need it, To go through that persecution. yes, He will give you that peace that you need. He will give you the strength you need. To go through it. Because you cannot do it in your own strength. Not one of us here will be able to do that in our own strength. Suffer persecution or be martyred. We can't do it. But through the Lord being with us and near us. We can. And you see lots of people who have gone through this process. They have such a calm And a peace, don't they? As they die for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that peace comes from him. He's with them at that time when they're going through those awful persecutions. So dismiss the dread. There's no point us worrying about it at the moment that I'm going to be persecuted perhaps in the future. Why worry about that? That's just wasted energy, isn't it? If he comes, it comes. But don't worry about it. (laughs) dismiss your fear the Lord is with us and again the devil is behind it isn't it the devil shall cast some of you into prison you may be tried but I will give you the crown of life and then again we have the overcomer hear what the spirit saith he that overcometh shall not be touched by the second death so what is the second death Again, Revelation talks us about the second death. So I'll read it, what it says. And these are very um, hard words to read, especially for those who are not saved. And we know they're not saved. It's Revelation 20, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, the small and the great stand before God and the books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works and the sea gave up the dead which were in it and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them and they were judged every man according to their works and death And hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. So that's an eternity. A lost eternity is the second death. Remember, they everyone has a resurrected body. Believers have a resurrected body, so do unbelievers before the great white throne. But they suffer the second death. But the Lord is saying to these Christians you will not be touched by the second death. Yes? They're going to be with the Lord in glory, enjoying their rewards and the joy that they've gone through. So that's a great thing for the overcomer. And remember, the overcomer is all those of us Christians who are genuine and we we're there to the end, yes? We are the overcomers. And all these things will come to us as well as overcomers. So the Lord always has an encouragement for the overcomer, doesn't he? And we need that. And remember, this is what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying to his church. It's also what he's saying to us as individuals. He is saying it. When he says it, you've got to listen. And when the Spirit says, listen, what has been said to the churches, we've got to listen. It's important. So this is the smallest address. No word against them. And I think that's the kindness of the Lord, isn't it? When he doesn't give them any criticism because they don't need that at the moment because they're being persecuted for his sake. So there's no criticism, no call to repentance. They're going to go through a very hard time. But his purpose in it Is to recover from that decline of first love to himself. That's the whole purpose of it. So we ask ourselves about our own little assembly here. How are we doing? Have we left our first love? Is our love for the Lord, our love for the Lord Jesus Christ should be growing daily, not declining daily? Are we on fire for the Lord? Collectively, are we seeking the Lord in the things of the Lord? Individually, are we think seeking the things of the Lord? Because if we don't, we're the ones that lose out, aren't we? If we don't seek after these things, you, you'll lose these things, really. So we've got to go in for them in a, in a big way. And the finest thing we can do is read his word. Daily, read his word, and meditate upon his word. And ideally, read all of it. Yes? (laughs) From Genesis to Revelation. And there is lots of things out there where you can do a Bible for the whole year, which is good and commendable, yes? Uh, And it makes you read the whole Bible for the whole year. But again, you'll find lots of Christians... They'll stay in the New Testament, they won't bother going at the old. <laughs> but read the whole, you need to know the whole. And once you've got the whole, it's much more a wonderful book, an exciting book, and very fulfilling to read. Because you see the perfection of it all, how it all fits in to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's in the Old Testament, he's in the New. He's the first, he's the last. He's the Alpha, he's the Omega. He's God. (laughs) And we are his. Isn't that wonderful? We are his. His power is phenomenal, isn't it? And he is for us. He is for us. So there, we're going to end there. That's was the shortest address the Smyrna but again we're learning lots of things aren't we the different state spiritual state of this each church that we're going to go through uh, some are better than others but all got a message to us and a message to our assembly and we all need to support each other really which we do don't we we support each other, and we love the Lord's people. It's nice, isn't it? You can all, you meet a Christian anyway and you can immediately you've got a connection with a genuine Christian, haven't you? You've got a, a bond with them straight away when you meet one. And That's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah. Let's close in prayer. Our Father, we do thank Thee for this wonderful book that Thou hast given us. And we we thank Thee for all its teaching. We thank Thee for all its encouragement. We find great encouragement in reading Thy Word. And so often in life we find the exact verse that comes to us just when we need it. And we give thanks for that. And we thank Thee that we can learn So much of Thee and of Thy ways, and we can have that comfort and consolation in following Thee. And when we do go through hard times or difficult times, we give thanks that it does draw us to Thee for help and grace in time of need. And we thank Thee that we have that grace in time of need in the circumstances of our life we can trust thee Lord sometimes we get fretful sometimes we get discouraged but we can trust thee that thou art in charge of our life the alpha and omega of our individual lives we can trust thee with our life and we do thank thee that We will end in glory with thee, Lord Jesus. And that is our hope.